Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Record. Damn. It's still <laughs> second time in a row. Like, yes. I know it's there. <laughs> uh, this is hilarious. <laughs> I love that it's, uh, that they have changed that. Well, uh, welcome to the BDSM podcast, um, Booze, Desserts, Smoke, and Meats. Uh, I am Professor Porkwine, and I am here with my awesome co-host. The Meat Viking. So we are going to continue our journey around the country, and uh, we're going to talk about some foods in Arizona. Mm-hmm. So I guess, quick, quick question, man. Have you ever been to Arizona before? Not can't say that I have. No, no, I have. It's a cool little state. Definitely saw the uh, the Hoover Dam when I went in Ve- to Vegas. That was part of it. But yeah, if you ever get a chance to go out to Arizona, definitely check that out. There's so many states that I've been like through just in passing that I don't even remember all of them at this point. Cause like, See, I, I don't, I don't count that. That's fair. But, like, I took a train from Chicago to New Mexico, and it was, like, a three-day-long drive, well, ride, because we would stop, like, little places along the way, and I just don't remember every one that we stopped at, you know? Yeah. Yeah, my whole thing is, if I step foot in it, then I'm technically in the state, because for the longest time, I, I flew into Denver Airport. Mm-hmm. I just didn't count that as being being in Colorado, so that's fair. it wasn't until I want vacation later on. But if I'm driving through and I don't step on on the the soil, then I did not get to that state. So, so if you're driving through and it's like nobody on the road o'clock, and you got to pull over because there's no gas station long enough, are you technically in that state? As long as my foot hits the soil, man, okay, I am well. I am saying that I have been to that state. <laughs> And so, but uh, what uh, what's in your cup, man? What what are you drinking now? I am drinking Fireball and vanilla cream soda. Oh, okay, that sounds like a nice little combo. It is. It is. I actually got a uh, with bespoke post. I don't know how well this will show up on camera, mind you. But there's like a. I see something almost, etched in, or yeah, almost like in between the glass, you can see like this little mountainside. And oh it yeah, up these whiskey stones that sit almost perfectly in there. A nice little, elegant looking whiskey glass. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. What is in your cup, good sir? Well, I've got a couple more of these left, so I figured I'd get it out of the way. But I'm doing a nice little chocolate porter. Oh, there you go. I I literally have two left, so. I need to drink them before they kind of go bad. Right. <laughs> so that's that's in my cup for the day. But uh, you're not smoking anything. So is that going to be part of your talk for today? 
yes, we will actually be having a talk about something that grows locally in Arizona. Um, and we can kind of get into that in a little bit here because uh, I think we still need to do our safe word yet. Yes. Uh, well, we really have to come up with what our, our thing is and just get a bowl full of words and see what happens. I know we well, said this before, but we should really do this. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I actually kind of have one right now. All right. Throw it out, man. Coyote. Coyote. Okay. So, that could be a safe word. Yeah. Because, like, I know in the smoking segment, which I'm about to bring to you, we will use the word at least once. However, out of most of the research that I've done on other topics for this, we won't be using that word. And when you're out in the desert, you know, you think of, like, desert coyotes. You don't only really think of, like, timber wolves and stuff like that. Yeah, because Arizona is definitely a desert, man. Yep. So yeah. it gets hot as balls during the day, and then it dips at night and repeat the cycle. Yep. So uh, now that we've established that, let's go on, and we're going to talk about some of the tobacco um, that can grow in Arizona. And yeah. The important thing to note here is that the tobacco grown in Arizona is usually wild tobacco. Um, can be smoked or chewed in small amounts by those who can identify which plant to use and how to use it. Um, I'm not going to bother with scientific names here because y'all don't want to hear me try and speak Latin at all. Butcher that shit up. <laughs> yeah, like I'll, I'll put a a consonant and a vowel somewhere else and accidentally summoned a demon. But coyote tobacco is hallucinogenic. And once it was used for medicine to help alleviate pain, and the leaves of the tree from this desert tobacco contain anabasine. It's a close chemical relative to nicotine. However, it's a toxic alkaloid so potent that even one leaf of a tree of tobacco or desert tobacco can kill humans if ingested or smoked. Oh, so God. If you see these in the wild, admire the flowers, because they are a pretty flower, and I'll screen share here in a second. Um, and the hornworm caterpillars that have evolved their immunity to poisons, because, uh, yeah, you want to leave these alone. And they almost look like, They almost look like a carnivorous species of plant, except where the pitcher plant tends to have like a stem and then kind of hook up with its pitcher. These are yeah. like straight pitchers. And um, a little screen share here. I, so can... I just don't see myself going there. Yeah, I'm going to smoke that. Right. <laughs> or I'm going to ingest that. Yeah, no. I think we've kind of talked this before with some other things too, is that you know, nature obviously has its own little thing of, hey, we're going to eat this and see what happens. And then other animals will do the same based off what they notice. And uh, uh, I think humans are the same way, mm -hmm. you know, where we have watched animals eat stuff and go, yeah, we could totally give that a try. But I definitely don't see myself looking at that and going, yeah, let me uh, let me smoke that. Or let me eat that. Yeah, like <laughs> it, it, it doesn't even look remotely edible. It looks like it's trying to like shoot at the little um flower stem out at you because you got like all that yellow and then you got like that one brownish black dot like it's just gonna fling it at you like it's a bb 
<laughs> so, and I actually found quite a few interesting things in here. Um, this is desert archaeology, and it goes through, like, certain kinds of pipes that were used, mainly clay, and then in, like, early 1800s, a lot of people started doing cigarettes and cigars, and, like, in parts of Arizona, still to this day, you can find pipes that were used for opium specifically because of the trade that we had with the Chinese in the uh, opium trade during those days. Hmm. All right. Just a kind of a neat little thing. You can see like this right here would be some of your clay pipes and their stems. Um, looks like this one might here might be made out of bone. Just kind of scroll down a little bit. This looks like an old carton of cigarettes. <laughs> just uh that's, that's pretty cool I, I mean if i was out there and obviously there was a cigar shop or something that had whatever it was and they were selling it i'd i'd give it a shot yeah I'd, I'd smoke a cigar or smoke something but i know that i'm not gonna die from it so at least yeah. not immediately i mean slowly but surely <laughs> slowly but surely slow and steady wins the race they say yeah so interesting all right well i i know that i have some food that um that we can talk about with arizona now arizona is definitely uh considered the mexican food capital of the u.s um because there's so many you know native american influences and it was part of mexico for a while that the food is still there so uh remember a while back in our in a couple of our episodes we were talking about the philly cheesesteak mm-hmm Remember how I talked about that? How there was two two different places that said that they were uh, they were the inventors of the cheesesteak, or that there's a battle between the two. Mm -hmm. Well, I found out that there's something pretty similar in Tucson because Tucson takes their chimichangas very seriously, and um, they prefer the ones that are are like, "Hey, I was the one that made it." No, I was the one that made it. I'll give a little history in a second, but you know what a chimichanga is? Yeah. Yeah, I've had them before. It's basically a, you take a burrito, which I love burritos. Every time we go to a Mexican restaurant, I get a burrito because that's that's just my thing. I love them, you know, queso, all that other garbage that's, that gets put on it. Well, you essentially take that burrito and then throw it in the fryer, and you get yourself a nice golden brown fried burrito, and then you have your your chimichanga or chimmy if you want to shorten it. Yeah. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So um, it's it's definitely considered some of the, the best stuff when it comes to those. But um, so there's arguably two restaurants that have said that they were the inventors of a chimichanga. And um, they kind of go back and forth. One of them was a little bit like earlier than others. So this was back in 1922 and it was at the El Toro Cafe. So again, in Tucson, the legend is it that uh, the person that was in the restaurant uh, wound up um, cursing in the kitchen when a burrito flipped into the deep fryer because 
um, this person had two young nieces and nephews that were in the kitchen and she wound up changing the swear word to chimichanga, which is Spanish equivalent for the whole like thingamajig. Like, uh-huh. You know how we say that? And what you call it thingamajig? And um, wound up changing the curse word because they didn't want to say anything in front of the, the kids. And it kind of just stuck. And uh, so basically they're saying it started out when someone was in the restaurant, was cooking, kids were around, they're dicking off like normal, right? And they threw it in the fryer, and then that's that's what became the, the chimichanga. I'm going to hear you real quick. Because I just yeah. like, you know how people say Kobe when they throw like a basketball or they throw something? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can just picture somebody just like, Throwing the burritos and going chimichanga right to the deep fryer. <laughs> <laughs> or no, no, you got to do it for ch- you got to do chimmy for chimmy. short, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, the next restaurant. This happened about twenty years later. So again, I don't know who who has the rights to it, but apparently this this guy uh, in his restaurant um wound up coming out and and basically had a bunch of unsold burritos from the day before and then wound up um throwing them in the deep fryer and then resold them and said that they kind of he called them a toasted monkey because they came out all nice golden brown and it resembled a toasted monkey Mm -hmm. so both of the restaurants agreed that the dish is definitely uh the official dish of arizona and they actually tried getting a, a, a bill to be passed to say that it's going to be. Now, it, it never did, but those two restaurants still claim, well, I was the one that did it. No, I was the one that did it. So I find that to be really funny that both of them are kind of fighting to say, well, it invented in my restaurant, not yours. But either way, Tucson is the, the place that is the chimichanga capital. If you want to get some good chimis, definitely go down to Tucson. So. I just I just find it funny how that that occurred because again with the Philly cheesesteak, Pat's or Gino's, you know it's it's this one. It's like oh no, it's it's either the El Tur- or the Charro Cafe or it's the uh, Macayo's Mexican restaurant. <laughs> so I think we need to take a, a little airplane trip. I would definitely do that for sure. So, so what uh, what other stuff did you? find so i found something now who here has heard of like the chicago style hot dog like in new york the coney island hot dog yeah the coney man that's coming up for uh the the nathan's hot dog eating contest in a couple months yep so you're familiar with these and personally i love myself a good coney dog i'll admit it's what i like i found that in arizona Specifically, it seems, um, something called a Sonoran style hot dog. And essentially, it is a hot dog wrapped in a piece of bacon, um, grilled over medium heat so the bacon gets crispy but not burnt. You then butter the outside of the pocketed rolls and you toast it so you get like that nice crunchy feel on your uh, your hot dog. Mm. Then you layer the bottom of the bread or the bun with refried beans, um, followed by your bacon-wrapped hot dog, and then you top it with avocados, tomatoes, onions, jalapenos, and some zesty mayonnaise. 
Garnish that with some cilantro leaves and serve with your favorite hot sauce. Um, and for their zesty mayonnaise that they use on here, it's literally just cilantro, mayonnaise, hot sauce, lime zest, and lime juice with some salt and pepper in a bowl and whisk until it's well blended. So, as somebody who likes to try different hot dogs, um, and we were just talking about grill marks and stuff yesterday, this looks super good. Well, um, the, the bacon's going to get again. the grill marks, right? The bacon's going to get the grill marks? No, the uh, the bun has the grill marks on this. Oh, the bun. Okay. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Yeah, so let me... Um... Yeah, there we go. Sorry, everybody who's not listening or watching through YouTube, but uh, that's where our big audience is. we got to cater to them a little bit. So you can see you got the zesty mayonnaise here. Um, you got the grill marks on the bun. You got your onion, your tomato, your avocado. And it's just looking super good. Super yeah, good. I would I would definitely eat the hell out of that thing. Right. So And that's and that's very popular in Arizona. That's the one of the local things, or is it can be found somewhere in in Phoenix or Flagstaff or something? Um I I Googled top things to try in arizona and this was like number five on that list okay <laughs> so let's uh get out of here again stop the old screen share so you got a uh another food or something sweet for us or should well, we take it to uh i don't have anything sweet yet that will be in a second i kind of have two that can be put together the first one is basically a, a dough bread, a flat dough bread. It's actually called fry bread. Uh -huh. um, so it, it's fried or deep fried in oil. It's got shortening or lard, and it's really made with just wheat flour, sugar, salt, and fat. So mm. it can be eaten alone and has typically been eaten alone, but can also be done with a, a couple different toppings like honey, uh, sugar, venison, beef. And then also it can be made into tacos if you wanted to. So okay. it, the cool thing about it, though, is that because it's versatility of all the different things that it can do, it really is a Navajo tradition, and it was created back in the 1800s, um, and it was using just flour, sugar, salt, and lard, and uh, the U.S. government was giving the Navajo, um, who were living in Arizona, that those rations uh, because oh. they actually had to relocate the, the Navajo to New Mexico, so they, they had to do what was called the long walk. It was a 300-mile journey, and the only thing that they really had was was that. Um, you know, it didn't really easily support other things that they ate, but uh, you can kind of combine this with um, something else in a second. But for many Native Americans, especially ones that are living in Arizona, it definitely is a generational link. Um, but it also does have a little bit of some painful history to it because of the fact of what the U.S. government was doing, yeah. you know, and, and actually there's been some controversy on, on the fry bread. There's been some, uh, you know, chiefs that have spoken about it and how that it, it basically should be called dye bread, D-I-E, uh, because of basically, again, what the U.S. government was making them do and relocating them and, um, you know, definitely not the, the thing to have the, the connotation or the association with on that one but the thing that i also found out was called uh pozole 
which is Spanish. Um, and again, because Mexican cuisine was such a huge influence and everything on that, it's basically um, a super stew that's made with meat, made with um, shredded lettuce, lettuce or cabbage, peppers, onions, garlic, uh, avocado, salsa, or limes. And um, I feel like you can combine that fry bread with this stew because it's a common thing across Mexican and, and even Arizona that it's usually served as something that's uh, a day-to-day -day meal and something for celebrations too. Mm -hmm. So the one thing that I, I found about this though, the pozole is um, way back when, when uh, the, um, the Aztecs were inhabitants of the Mesoamericas part, they actually, and it's been um, used here that the prisoners would actually have their heads torn out and the rest of the body would actually be chopped up and cooked with the maize. And that's what they would eat in this pozole. So obviously this, the Spanners came over and said, no, 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 you can't do that anymore. And they wound up changing it out with pork because it had a similar taste to human flesh. Uh, so that's kind of wild to sit there and go, yeah, we were eating people for a while. Yeah. I wonder if the Aztecs were still around if the human flesh that they ate would taste the same as it did back in the day. Because without a doubt, our diets have changed. And like, you know, if you eat... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hog that's been wild hog and just rummaging through the trash. It's super not good tasting. But if you eat hog that's been prepared for being used as a butcher, it's super good. So, well, I mean, even in, in nature, um, you know, when we talk about, I think when we get to Hawaii, maybe not Hawaii, uh, one of those other, um, islands out that way, they have what's called coconut crabs. Yeah. And because they feed on coconuts, they're more of a sweeter meat. So, you know, that happens typically within nature anyway. So the, what that, whatever they eat, it kind of tastes of whatever they're, they're, they're tasting off that. So. I'm curious, but I don't really want to know the answer to that. I bet I taste like whiskey and coffee and few cigars. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably taste like donut holes or some shit like that. See, like we would make great cannibals. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I feel like those two things can kind of go hand in hand, the fry bread and the pozole. Yeah. Uh, just because of, you know, stews. Having having bread and having meat, they kind of go hand to hand together anyway. So, I, I may have had fry bread before, because when I worked in Texas, I worked with a lot of like fresh out over the border um, Mexicans in our shop, and they would bring in like traditional Mexican food and Mexican desserts, and the food truck that would come to our shop spoke very little English and I remember one time I got like excuse me this almost like 
You know what Hawaiian bread looks like? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So picture that, but big. And it was like one slice, almost looked like the top side of a bun only, but it had like cinnamon and sugar on it. So. Okay. I'm wondering if maybe that was some sort of fry bread recipe or maybe something along those lines. It was probably something along those lines. Yeah. Because I would definitely try a honey uh, fry bread because I do love me some honey. Yeah, honey fry bread would be good too. Or the cinnamon sugar, to be honest with you. That'd be cool with that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Both of those would be great breakfast uh, breakfast breads. Or even dessert. Yeah. Because I could totally see myself mound down on some cinnamon sugar as a dessert, you know? True. True. But I was thinking they, like the lines of like, now is this like traditional loaf of bread or is this like bun shape? It's not. No, it's not. So the fry bread is actually like flatter. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to think of something that you would um, maybe like a pita, but a little bit thicker. Okay. The way that it's it's almost it's not circular. It's kind of like a um, not half circle, but those like type of shape. shapes. Yeah, like an oval shape, like something that would just be a little bit stretched yeah. out. Okay. So, but it's not super domey like like bread. You know, it's 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 got a little rise to it, but that's about it. Hmm. Yeah. I would try that. Hell yeah, that sounds real good. <laughs> but I was thinking of uh, like that, and then like some maple sausage and maybe an egg with that cinnamon and raisin one or cinnamon flavored well there's got to be a recipe out there for fry bread somewhere oh, yeah. it's pretty simple with the ingredients from what i saw yeah probably so, need to invest in a bread maker no with that one it, that one you fry i mean you you put it in oil so you wouldn't need oh, a bread maker for that you're right you're right put it in oil or lard so probably a, a dutch oven maybe to have enough oil in there or a big enough skillet right so, so huh. I don't know about you, though, but all this talk of bread might be making me a little thirsty. <laughs> yeah, you're going to wind up drinking some more of that um, cinnamon whiskey, right? Well, actually, no. I think we're going to segue into uh, the next topic here. Which yeah, you need to talk about some beers, right? Yeah, one of the more popular um, local breweries in Arizona is known as the Tombstone Brewing Company. Um, Tombstone, I'm sure most of you may be aware, excellent country western movie. Also, actual location, apparently. Um, give me one second here. Tombstone, Arizona is an actual place, and they've got a... Looks like they have their own tap room in Tombstone, and their own tap stone their own tap room in Phoenix. Um, and going about their uh, about us, they founded Tombstone Brewery Company to bring world-class beer to the town too tough to die. Started in legendary Tombstone, Arizona, and now brewing in the heart of Phoenix as well. They seek to create inviting and laid-back environment where people can casually gather for a pint as well as an exciting destination within reach of beer lovers crafting ales and lagers that range from traditional to the far reaches of what beer, beer can be and going over their beer list 
you've got everything from like a light beer, uh, your IPAs, you have um, a sour, you've got your coffee, milk, imperial stouts, um, another oatmeal stout with cacao, a hot tub tea IPA, which I'm not really sure what that is, but it looks pretty good. Hmm. Um, some lagers, an oak fermented English mild, which has like this nice, almost red color to it. Uh, you have this double IPA, which has almost this grapefruit, grapefruit color to it. Um, all the hops triple IPA, which might be a little out of my taste buds, but might be perfect for some of you. And all of these beers range from anywhere from 4% on some of your more common ones um, up to 11%, which is the fourth anniversary Grand CRU. So you got a little bit of something from everything from this Tombstone Brewing Company. And, you know, locating located in such a famous town, if you do find yourself in Arizona, I would probably put this on my uh, to-do list. I mean, duh, why wouldn't you? That sounds freaking delicious. Right? <laughs> so, and even if you can't make it to Tombstone where their home is, most of these beers are both available at the Phoenix one and the Tombstone one. Um, in fact, I'm only seeing three beers that are only available at the Tombstone one. And that's the, all the hops, triple IPA, West Coast IPA, and the fourth anniversary. Hmm. So. Well, I like all those beers, and I would try them all. So. Right? Yeah. I would give it them all a try, too. No, having – you said you were in Arizona at least once, correct? Yes. Do you recall any specific uh, local beers that you cared for, or were you kind of like an in-passing thing? Uh, it wasn't – it was more of in-passing. I didn't get a chance to explore more. So I'd like to go back. I'd like to go back and, and have that opportunity to explore more. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think next time I will have that opportunity to do a little bit more of that. So Do the old convertible car through the desert. <laughs> Not with this bald-ass head, man. I'd have to wear a hat. <laughs> yeah, you would. You'd have to get like a Kentucky Derby hat for you. Yeah, man. The worst is getting the top of your dome freaking sunburned. That is... Not fun at all. Luckily, I don't have to worry about that yet in life. Yeah, you've got hair. Yeah. But lucky. Lucky. Um, so I also looked at some other things, too, and this is uh, – apparently there's a lot of desert gastronomy, you know, where a lot – where things will – can be eaten from stuff that's in the desert. Okay. And uh, – some of these things include uh, one of the first is nopales, which is a prickly pear cactus pad. Mm. So nopales is a Spanish term for the cactus stem, and it, it actually refers to the little pads. Once they're cut up, 
and you can harvest these things from a prickly pear cactus and then you can either boil them or grill them <clears throat> and you can either slice them into strips or toss them with lime juice and olive oil and then the nopales can be added to eggs soup chilies tortillas and it apparently has a pretty good flavor profile similar to an okra okay. so i'm sure you could probably even fry that bad boy yeah and it has a little bit of a citrusy taste to it so i i would give that a, ch a chance mm -hmm. you know i don't know if i would eat it just straight up i'd probably have to mix it maybe try something with the soups or the chilies yeah um or maybe if it was fried maybe they just cut it up into slices and fry that bad boy up it might be good now hear me out on this because like when you think of like fish tacos you usually do like a citrusy uh salsa on them so. uh yeah the last time i had fish tacos i i threw some extra lime on it you know yeah. so maybe like doing uh instead of cilantro like maybe some uh diced up prickly pear cactus to add that citrus flavor yeah that could be something good yeah uh, another thing that is also coming from a cactus is the, the chala buds, mm -hmm. which, um, so with the chala cactus, it has flower buds. And in April, those buds tend to start blooming a little bit, and you can actually uh, pull those off. You can harvest those buds and then eat those. So the flavor profile of that one is kind of like an artichoke heart. And then it has um, more of a hint of a lemon flavor um but a lot of times uh, tribes would harvest those and then wind up storing them and you can store them for quite some time and apparently it has enough calcium in it as much as a glass of milk oh wow so you don't have to worry about having that bone density get all whacked out just off of eating these bad boys <laughs> so I, I find it kind of cool that again there's food in the desert when there really isn't, you know, and it's coming off of cacti. Yeah. Just make sure you don't eat the tobacco there. Or if you eat some peyote off the top of that cactus, you're in for a, a wild journey at that point. Yeah, you're going to go see the spirit realm one shape or another. <laughs> <laughs> or the shadow realm. Is or the that's shadow from, realm. Yeah. That's from, uh, what is it? What, what card game? Yu-Gi-Oh, right? Is that I, what it is? No idea. I think you're right, though, and I don't want to admit that. <laughs> uh. But, yeah, man, can you imagine being out in the middle of the desert and just foraging off of some cacti and then, you know, fucking up and being like, I don't think that was what I should have done. Well, you know, there's this wonderful game I've been trying to get you play with me called Ark. They do have a yeah. map like that. <laughs> yeah, where you're foraging and then a dinosaur comes and eats you and you're yeah. dead. yeah. Don't be scared to have fun, man. <laughs> uh, are there any desserts? I didn't happen to find any desserts in my research with Arizona, but didn't did you happen to find one at all? Look, dude, I'm being real up honest with you, okay? If I'm living in the desert, you know damn well I'm going to have to find me something cool to eat. Right? Yes. Something, something to get the tasties away from living in the god-awful temperatures that I can only imagine Arizona having. And I found something, and I believe you actually kind of sent this to me, so you found something for me to talk about. Uh, I briefly looked at it, yeah. And it is 
Who here's familiar with tamales? Right? You know, you you got your pork, you got your chicken tamales. Super delicious. Super fun. But who here ever thought about putting just chocolate in there? Not chocolate, me. Chocolate tamales. And according to this website, it only takes 20 minutes to prep these. But they're, they're ready in 45. So, excuse me. Essentially, instead of doing your, uh, you do your tamales kind of like normal without meat. You know, you're just working with the chocolate here. And instead of using a corn husk, which you still can use, you end up using a banana leaf to add that extra sweetness to it. And then you cook it in a pot with a steam rack for about 45 minutes. And then after that time, you let them set for 30 minutes. Um, as far as ingredients goes, for your filling, you're going to want two tablets of Mexican chocolate. Uh, they recommend chocolate. using the Abudella brand. A uh, quarter cup of hot water, four tablespoons of cocoa powder. And then for the tamales themselves, you want three Mexican chocolate tablets chopped, 13 tablespoons of hot water, three and a half cups of masa harana, three cups of warm water, 10 tablespoons of vegetable oil, tablespoon of vanilla extract, two cups of light brown sugar, 10 tablespoons of cocoa powder, pinch of salt, and it recommends using 20 banana leaves. Um, so, so do you get like a paste out of it? Is that what that is? And then you throw that into the, the corn husk or the banana leaf? It looks like you you get your filling together, right? Yeah. And then you refrigerate that for three hours. And when it's ready, it'll look like kind of a thick yogurt. Okay. Um, and then you take about a third cup of that dough of that yogurt that you have and then you put that in the banana leaf and uh, add a teaspoon of some solid chocolate filling uh, to get to the center of the dough on that. I wonder if there'll still be about a dollar a pot because whenever I get tamales, it's always hey, we'll give you 13 for 12 bucks. You know, they give you that one extra one. Right. Baker's dozen. Yep. And I'm always like, yeah, you might as well throw in two dozen of those bad boys. Yeah. yeah. Tamales are so good. I recently had some tamales on Cinco de Mayo, and they were amazing, as you would expect. Well, did you buy them from a store, or did you buy them from someone that actually made them? So, a friend of ours and fan of the podcast, um, they, they're both really good at cooking, and he kind of knew with our schedule that um, – my wife has and that I have that we wouldn't really be celebrating Cinco de Mayo. And so they were more than kind enough to make us some tamales, make us some pico de gallo, made us like a uh, a corn-based salsa, but it wasn't pico. I forget exactly what he said it was, but it was super good. And then like different kinds of uh, Mexican candy as well. And super, super tasty. Yeah, because whenever I worked in the restaurants, there would always be someone Spanish, and they'd be like, yeah, my grandmother is making, uh, you know, tamales, and I'm going to bring in, like, eight dozen or whatever it is, yep. you know, put your orders in, and you're like, hell yeah, here, here's the money, 
I just wait for those bad boys to come in, yep. you know, and easily get two dozen, freeze a couple of them for later. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. I wonder. I'm kind of curious to know how the chocolate tamales sound, you know, taste like because. I've never seen that anywhere on a menu, you know? It's not like you can say, hey, here's something that's normal, like chocolate chip cookies or ice cream or some some shit like that. Right. Um, and even in Mexican places, I haven't even ever seen a chocolate one. So They probably I'm, sell out. I'm kind of curious. Yeah. Because, like, the thing with tamales is, like, like you just said, you get that, like, heads up, and then if you're not there in, like, the first 15, 20 minutes, those tamales are already sold out. Yeah, they're gone. Yeah. So. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, we got any other desserts that we found in Arizona? I think the only one really worth mentioning was the chocolate tamales because it's something that I don't think we're going to see anywhere else. Kind of like the uh, Sanrama hot dog. Yeah. So. Unless you have like maybe a prickly pear ice cream that they do that cactus from but even um, then like that's almost more dessert based anyways yeah not, i don't think that maybe maybe new mexico when we get there might have something similar just because yeah. of the uh you know the comparison on that and the culture there and maybe even a little bit of colorado like that whole area there nevada maybe don't but, even fuck with Colorado. You know when we get there, it's going to be nothing but edibles for desserts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> hey, you can have this prickly pear or whatever, but you're going to have a good time with it. Yeah. So, but I believe that's all we have for tonight's episode. I, I think so. So do you want to take us out for today? Yeah. Well, foodies, we hope you're enjoying our little uh, – tour along the united states over here um let us know what you're thinking about the series so far would you try some of the foods that we've been trying about um any kind of beers to stick out to you and how do you feel about chocolate tamales i've been your host the meat viking followed by my wonderful co-host and professor Porkloin, and we are signing off yeah buddy with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.